0: The end of the Fourth of July weekend uh, tomorrow it 's back to to the routine, whatever we 're doing, so hopefully you got a few days off to do some things with your family, maybe swim, cook out. Let me see your hands. everybody hold up your hands like this. everybody still got both hands and fingers. good job all right didn 't blow anything off today we 're going to look at. Preparing for the wedding. Now, some of you today might be engaged, and you know exactly what goes into planning a wedding. There's a lot of planning that goes into that 20 or 25 minutes of the actual ceremony. Some of you that maybe just got married know exactly what I'm talking about. And, and for for you guys that aren't thinking about it just yet, or maybe not planning on it yet, some good advice now we 're going to look at a short little clip. Uh, some of you may know this guy, Mike Leach. He used to coach at Oklahoma. He was the offensive coordinator. He was the one kind of responsible for the air raid offense went on to Texas, Tech, and now he 's the head coach uh, for Washington state and One of the reporters who was getting married in nine days asked him like, "Hey, what kind of advice do you have for somebody getting married?" and he said, "Well, I w- you should have came to me sooner, but." L- Okay, let's just listen to Mike Leach on his advice for weddings.
1: But, uh, I'm just telling you, uh, when it comes to marriages, the, uh, the women lose their mind. Your fiance is going to lose her mind. Your mother-in-law is going to lose her mind. Your mom is going to lose her mind. Several of your sisters and uh, female relatives are going to lose their mind. And... Um, and that you, they're, gonna, they're gonna barrage you with constant questions. What should we wear? And then, uh, which of course my answer was, I don't care. And then uh, what color should the invitations be? I don't care. Uh, what should we have for dessert? I don't care. Should we seat this this way or th- that that way? I don't care. But see, I don't care is not satisfactory at all. And you're gonna get caught in a Catch-22 and I'm certain that you already have. And that catch twenty two is well, I want you to be a part of this too, uh, so what color invitations um, all right, the blue ones well, I kind of like uh I kind of like the tan ones, okay, the tan ones then oh you're just saying that because uh, uh, uh you want this over with you 're not even thinking about it, which is of course true, and then um, <laughs> well uh. Uh, What do you want for dessert? I was thinking of strawberry shortcake. Oh, okay. Uh, Yes, strawberry shortcake would be good. Well, what about the blueberry pie? Well, I like the blueberry pie. We could have the blueberry pie. Well, I thought you said you wanted the strawberry shortcake. And it's just going to go back and forth and they're going to play keep away from you until uh, after you're married. So what you need to do is you need to work late hours. Work late. Be, be very nice and supportive, and um, uh, but but they're going to play keep away from you. And, and there's no answer you can give that is going to be satisfactory or correct. And if you successfully uh, please a few of them, the others will still be. Oh well, I just don't feel like he's that interested. Yeah. Okay. So so you need to work late. Uh, go in the back room and read a lot of books. Uh, uh you know uh, you have to go uh take the groomsmen out so you make sure that they march in just right and they know exactly you know these swell outfits that you picked out or whatever however you 're doing it um, and in the end you 'll wish you eloped but um, uh nevertheless you need to find uh you need to find um excuses uh that they 'll buy uh to be as far out of harm's way as you possibly can. and uh, But uh, take comfort in knowing that uh, once the ceremony's over um, that, uh, you know, life will get progressively better from there even though there's some adjustment.
0: There you have it. Wedding advice from the expert. Can anybody disagree with what he said? Because if you've ever been involved in planning a wedding, he is... He's spot on. Well, in the time of Jesus, planning a wedding, in one ways it was simpler, but in some ways it was more celebrated than today because most of the weddings at that time were prearranged by parents. Now I still kind of think maybe that's a good way of of doing things. You know, you come home and say, honey, I found your husband. Here he is. I don't like him though. Hey, that's, that's a small point. You'll learn to like him. In fact, he's going to be very good for you. Okay. Wouldn't it be great parents if Your daughter brought this guy home and said, you know, I want to marry this guy. Oh, no, 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 dear. He's not the one. This is the guy for you. You're going to like, I don't love him, but well, but you can learn to love him. See, back in the Bible time, there was a price that was paid for the bride. There was a prearrangement made and there was a price to be paid as compensation for what this Bride would be worth and kind of the, what it would cost to replace her. Uh, very interesting to know when we were in Africa, the price of a bride was 14 cows. So you either had to bring 14 cows to the bride's dad or give him the money that 14 cows would, would purchase. So now I don't know how they, they came up with 14 cows or, you know, why couldn't it have been a dollar amount? But that's what they came up with. In Matthew chapter 25, Jesus teaches us about the kingdom of heaven, and he uses three successive parables. He uses the parable of the ten virgins, the parable of the talents, and then the parable of the sheep and the goats. And in this parable, the ten virgins, it has a great insight to the end times and how specifically it relates to the Jewish people and how it relates to the Gentiles in the church, which is us. So Jesus begins teaching with the parable of the ten virgins, and they go out to meet the bridegroom, okay? That was the term, the bridegroom was the groom, okay? He's the, he's the groom. And so the initial application was specifically for the Jewish nation. So let me introduce you to the cast of characters here. The bridegroom, or the groom, is the Lord. He's Jesus Christ. The bride, while she's out of sight here, that's the church, and the ten virgins here represent the nation of Israel. And I believe these ten virgins represent those that are mentioned in Revelation chapter 19, verse 9. Blessed are those that are invited to the wedding supper of the Lamb. So these people, these ten, are the ones that have been invited to the wedding celebration. And so this marriage is between the groom, Jesus, and his church which is the bride. So that's the primary application. But I believe there's also an application for you and I here. Not just for the nation of Israel, but for all of us, because we need to be ready for the soon return of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? So turn with me in your Bibles to Matthew chapter 25, and uh, we're going to read this parable in in a couple of sections here. We'll begin with verse 1 and read on through verse 5. Then the kingdom of heaven will be like ten virgins who took their lamps and went out to meet the bridegroom. Five of them were foolish and five were wise. For when the foolish took their lamps, they took no oil with them. But the wise took flask of oil with their lamps. And as the bridegroom was delayed, they all become drowsy and they slept. And they were asleep on the job here. So Jesus uses something that was very common For them to identify with. This was a wedding feast, something people knew all about. Now, weddings today are, I I think there's a lot of disappointed brides because the people that attend weddings today are either one very, very good, close personal friends of the bride, the groom, or their family, or their relatives. Just a casual, acquaintance doesn't take time out of their weekend busy schedule to go to a wedding. And I think brides think everybody's going to get as excited about the wedding as they are. And that's just not the case because we're just too busy. But during the time of Jesus, that was a weddings were a big deal. They were an event and they would last anywhere from five to seven days. And the whole community would get involved and celebrate. That, that wedding. In fact, there was two parts of the Jewish wedding. On the eve of the wedding, the groom and his friends would go out to the, groom's, or to the bride's house and there he would get his bride. And I'm sure that, that was the time that the exchangement of the payment for the bride was made. And then he would take his wedding party back to his house. And there would be people join in with this parade all along the route there. And they'd be singing and dancing and happy. It was a joyous celebration. And once they got to his house, the bride and her bridesmaid would go off to a different room. And there they would spend the night. And then the festivities would continue. Well, the next day, the second part of the wedding was the actual ceremony and the feast. And it was kind of like a holiday in the village. And they had... Exchange of presents, you know, when they gave them good advice on on marriage and things like that. They gave them words of blessing. And then later that evening, the bride and the groom went off to to themselves and they consummated the marriage. But then they didn't go off on a honeymoon. In fact, they didn't leave. They stayed around for the entire duration of this wedding celebration. Not quite what we think of a honeymoon today, is it? How'd you spend your honeymoon? Oh, with all my family and friends. No, we go away, right? Well, so verse 1, we see the anticipation. All 10 of these virgins knew the groom was coming. You know, there are a lot of people today that are familiar with the Lord's promise to return. A lot of people are familiar with the church and know that Jesus promised to return so all 10 of them knew he was coming and they all go out to wait and meet the groom. And they all 10 took their lamps with him. And so it, there doesn't appear to be any difference between these 10. Okay. They all knew that the groom was coming. They all took their lamps. They all went out to, to wait and to greet him, but they all 10 didn't make the same preparations. Let me just stop here for a moment and tell you, I believe that these ten virgins represent all of us. You've either made preparations or you haven't. Five of them were completely ready and five of them got caught off guard. What preparations do we need to make? Well, let me tell you, it's not just enough to own a Bible. It's not just enough to say, you know, I belong to a church. It's not just enough to say, well, I do a lot of good things. You've got to make lordship personal. You've got to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And you've got to settle this issue of who's going to be the Lord of my life today. In verses two here, we see that Jesus said five were wise and five were foolish. So he divides the whole world into two groups, the wise and the foolish. A little later in this chapter, he's going to divide the whole world into two groups, the sheeps and the goat. And we do this all the time, don't we? We divide people into groups. You know, those who have and those that don't have. Those that are with it and those that are, well, they're not very with it. The educated from the uneducated. I want to tell you, I've done a lot of funerals in my time in ministry And I've never had the room there with the casket and the flowers all around. Never have had anyone come in and say, you know, were they rich or were they poor? Were they in the in crowd or were they on the out? Were they really cultured and refined or were they kind of rough around the edges? Never had anybody ask that, but the question I have been asked a lot Were they ready? Were they saved or were they lost? Did they get to go to heaven? Or did they end up in hell? The bottom line is, when death comes, we're either saved or we're lost. So Jesus said there are two groups of people here, the foolish and the wise. So what determined which group you ended up in? The foolish in verse three said they took their lamps, but they didn't have any oil with them. Now they probably had some oil, initial oil, just to kind of get them get the fire going, you know, the, to, to light the way. But the wise, as we see in verse four, they took oil in their containers. The King James calls them vessels. Some versions call them the flask or their container, whatever it was, but they had oil in both, both their lamp and they had oil in their vessel, a reserve. So what do these things represent? The oil, if you'll look, most of the time when there's a reference to oil in the Bible, it's always referring to the Holy Spirit. The vessel is us. People. That's the container. The lamp is a symbol of the Bible, God's Word. One of those verses we probably memorized as as a kid in vacation Bible school. Your Word is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path, and its words will I hide in my heart that I will not sin against you. But the important thing here appears to be the vessel, the extra container of oil. Paul's conversion Jesus said he was a chosen vessel to carry my name before the Gentiles. In 2 Timothy 2, 21, Paul writes, Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. Paul goes on to say in 2 Corinthians 4, 7, We have this treasure in earthen vessels. So this vessel here represents an individual life to have oil in your lamp means that you have some initial illumination you ha- means you have some initial knowledge but haven't yet acted on it now if you've got the oil in the vessel the reserve that means that you've acted on it that means you've acted and you have the holy spirit christ living inside of you see when you become a a christian you have the person the presence of the holy spirit actually living in you and paul said in romans 8 9 if anyone does not have the spirit of christ he does not belong to christ you know sadly i'm afraid there's a lot of people that just have an initial knowledge they haven't filled their vessel Oh, they've gone to church on some regularity. They've memorized a few scriptures. They've even read a few good Christian books and maybe listened to a few podcasts. But you can't just have oil in your lamp. It's got to be in your heart and life. And I'm afraid there might be a lot of people, as Jesus tells us in in a few moments here as we read on, that are going to miss heaven but they have all kinds of bible knowledge but they don't have any oil in their vessel so friends i want to tell you the holy spirit has got to come into your life and sometimes we're afraid of the the holy spirit because we don't fully understand the working of the holy spirit so we just tend to ignore the holy spirit and like yeah i'm okay with jesus but i really don't want the spirit living in me So the teaching here is pretty simple. Those who didn't have the oil in their vessels were lost, and those who did were saved. When verse 5 here, we see everyone was asleep. You know, sleeping's a natural event. Sometimes people actually even, believe it or not, go to sleep in church. Yeah, they do. As hard as it is to imagine, sometimes people, when they get into church, they just relax and they fall asleep. that's what happens when we relax we let our guard down you take a break you, you, you can fall asleep lost people sleep though in ignorance do you really think that they could go to sleep if they knew they were headed to a Christless eternity if they were standing on the the edge of eternity cliff hanging by a by a thread that could snap at any moment do you think they could go to sleep just comfortably and ignore things The saved people, though, sleep with security and confidence, knowing where they're going because they have oil in their vessel. But there's still a warning because I think sometimes, as Christians, we can fall asleep and we just need to wake up. Jonah was asleep at the bottom of the ship when the storm came. It was a desperate time. And he woke up and he said, I'm the reason for this storm. It's my fault. Friends, we're leaving, living in some desperate times, and desperate times require desperate measures. And so I think that maybe we have become a little bit too comfortable when it comes to the end times. And sometimes I think the church in America has been caught sleeping, and we just quietly let the deterioration of our society go on all around us. We've watched our society, the morals, and just decay and deteriorate around us and we've just kind of sit back and done nothing and we've watched our spiritual freedoms being stripped away one by one and we have just accepted it rather than what we need to be doing and that's confronting let's continue reading verse six but at midnight there was a cry here's the bridegroom come out to meet him The darkest hour of the night, midnight, the bridegroom returned. The cry ran out, here he comes, here he comes. And that was kind of a, it was really kind of a a game that sometimes they would would play. Trying to catch the wedding party off guard. When's he going to come? Well, we don't know. Sometime. You see, they had knowledge of the word of God, but they hadn't responded. And over and over and over again, you're going to see warnings for us to respond to the gospel. But people, they procrastinate. Why do we procrastinate? You know, people don't go to the dentist when their teeth don't hurt. They wait till the pain gets so bad they finally say, okay, I need to go to the dentist. We don't do preventive maintenance on our house till something happens and well, now I've got to do it. That's just how we operate. We procrastinate. But why do people procrastinate on the most important decision they will ever make in their life? They panic. Our, our, our lamps are going out. Give us some of your oil. But it was too late. The issue at that time was the oil. Did you have oil or not? And the issue today is still oil. Do you have oil or do you not have oil? So if Jesus came back today, the the question would be, is do you have oil in your lamp and in your vessel? Or are you running out? You see, the wise virgins, in verse 9, couldn't give them the oil. Now, you can give people a lot of things. You can share a lot of things in life. You can share some clothing, some, some food, money, but you cannot share salvation. You can share your testimony, but you cannot give somebody your salvation. They have to decide that for themselves. So what that tells me is your saved relatives aren't going to get you into heaven. You can't ride on the coattails of somebody who is in that relationship with Jesus Christ and has got plenty of oil. You can't skate along with them. You can't transfer your, their spiritual life to you. It doesn't work that way. Every person has got to respond on their own. Verse 10, the bridegroom says, the door was shut and locked. So one of these days, friends, the door is going to be shut and it's going to be locked. And those that were wise are going to be welcomed in. And those that were foolish are going to be locked out. So one of these days, the Bible tells us it's going to be too late right now. The door's open. How long is this door going to stay open? I don't know. It might stay open the rest of the day. It might not. It might stay open the rest of this week or maybe even the rest of this year. We don't know because scripture says nobody knows the day or the hour, but we're told we need to be ready. So when that day comes, you're either going to have oil in your vessel or you're not. Plain and simple. Matthew chapter 25. Let's go back to here and let's finish up this parable. Afterward, the other virgins came also saying, Lord, Lord, open up to us. But he answered, I truly, I say to you, I do not know you. What's therefore for you? know neither the day or the hour. You see, they sounded like believers. They knew the right words. Oh, Lord, Lord, it's, it, it's us. But he said, I don't know who you are. They weren't ready. I think that happens has to be one of the saddest verses in the Bible. When Jesus has to say, I don't know who you are. It parallels what he has to say in Matthew chapter 7. These five virgins, the foolish ones, they were good people. They lived good moral lives. They were very productive. They just weren't prepared. They had good intentions. They knew he was coming. They just weren't ready. That's why verse 13, Jesus said, Therefore keep watch, because you do not know the day or the hour. So, I want to ask you a question right now. You're here today, so you know you've been taught that Jesus is coming. You've heard the warning, so you've at least got the initial elimination. You've got that bit of knowledge. But are you ready? Are you ready for the unknown hour that the Lord may return? Every uh, week in the newspaper, you'll read of people that have come to an untimely death that were, they were shocked. Whether motorcycle accident, car wreck, drowning, whatever. The one thing all those people have in common is I bet when they woke up that morning, they did not realize that today was going to be the last day on this earth for them. I bet they didn't think, wow, this is going to be this is going to be it for me. The only thing that's going to matter is are you ready or you're not. Are you wise or are you foolish? Some of you today Just by the way you live your life, I can tell that you have oil in your lamp and you're carrying around that extra reserve. You've got that flask, that vessel. You're ready. There are some people here today that may not be ready for that sudden return of the Lord. Maybe your lamp's kind of starting to flicker, about to go out, and you don't have any more oil to put in it. Friends, I want to tell you, one day it's going to be too late, but right now the door is open. And what you decide to do will determine where you spend eternity. So you're you're either going to be one of two groups, the wise or the foolish. There's no in-between. If you don't know Jesus as Lord and Savior, and if you don't have oil for your lamp, I want to invite you to make Jesus the Lord of your life today and settle this issue of lordship once and for all.